Thank you for listening to the Highlander Podcast, where we have conversations about the past, present, and future of the outdoor industry. Thanks to Utah State University's Outdoor Product Design and Development Program for making it possible and for training the future product leaders of the outdoor industry. Learn more about the program at opdd.usu.edu. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Outdoor Recreation Archive, a collaboration between OPDD and USU Special Collections to preserve the history and print materials of the people, products, and brands of the outdoor industry. Follow the archive at Outdoor Rec Archive on Instagram. The Highlander Podcast is sponsored by the Utah Outdoor Association, a business association focused on elevating Utah's outdoor industry through educational programming and events. Their membership consists of Utah's outdoor manufacturers, retailers, outfitters, and guides. Member benefits include networking opportunities, recruitment of talent, and brand promotion. More information about volunteering and membership is available at utahoutdoor.org. On this episode, Peter Yi, former VP of Industrial Design at Oakley, talks about his contributions to creating iconic products at the brand, including the Oakley O, and his journey into the world of product design. I really appreciate it um, to, to get invited to talk to you guys. Just a little uh, short background. Um, let's see. Sorry. Why is this thing not working? Okay. So, uh, yep, that's me. I am a, an industrial designer. Uh, I went to a different design school and uh, currently I have my own little design consultancy. Uh, I lived the life of the corporate life for a good number of years and uh, kind of like everybody else during the pandemic, we worked from home. Right. And I like working from home. And so I started doing it on my own. Um, I share my office though, with uh, my partner, his name is Riley and he's sitting behind me on the carpet. Um, he's a little golden doodle. He's pretty cool. Um, so I've done a lot of design work in my time from look from all kinds of products that you guys are considering doing to even the corporate logo. So, you know, the O. like, I don't know if you can see my, jacket like even that oh i designed way back in the early 90s uh at oakley with the founder um to my name i have over 100 design and utility patents and i've done all kinds of stuff from sunglasses and watches and and you know graphics and displays and and stuff done hockey gloves i've done all kinds of little accessories too so it's been pretty cool um and then i used to teach for my uh college as well uh, for, for a number of years. I really enjoyed that. And then as Chase has said, you know, I have an Instagram. I just started that Instagram about a year ago, just kind of for myself. And then to just share, because most of my time at Oakley, uh, everything was in the cone of silence or in other words, everything was confidential. So I just didn't talk about what I did for a living. Um, because you have to understand everything had, uh, retail implications and my designs made millions of dollars. And my team's designs made multi-millions of dollars. So that's just how it went. So I'll just show you real quick uh, some stuff I did as a student. We can talk about kind of the, the path and journey, if that's cool. Um, not, not meant as a blatant advertisement for my college, but just to give you some sense of these are actual drawings I did when I was in school. So you learn the basic shapes and forms. Uh, you guys you know, may have taken some of this stuff, maybe not. Um, you learn materials, how to draw that. Right. And to me, just to share with you, 
the whole rationale for going into design was uh, it looked like way too much fun and that there's a career that you're telling me I get to do stuff like this and, uh, and get paid to do a career. So that's kind of the path I chose. Now, again, these are student drawings and this is in the early nineties. So forgive that it looks a little dated, but you know, you gotta remember it's kind of fun, kind of cool, uh, different things to kind of go through. And then, you know, my path as a professional um, was a little different as well. And then, then the drawings become a little different, a little bit more practiced and, and uh, directed, you know, at making stuff, um, real stuff. This is like real. This is one of the things I got to design many years into my journey. This is Oakley's most expensive pair of sunglasses I think they've ever made. Uh, it's about, uh, there was a limited number. I think about a thousand were made, uh, each one costing $4,000. So that's a fun project. If you get one of those projects, it's a, it's like a blank check project where you get to do, do whatever you want. Um, and like I said, I've had the opportunity to do all kinds of stuff. Here's watches that I got to do. Um, so I'm just showing you kind of a splattering. Again, this is not, this, this project isn't necessarily for, um, for intro to, I guess it is kind of intro to product design because, you know, I think the drawings and things like that are one thing that got me interested in uh, industrial design. And, you know, the things that, uh, it was a hockey glove, the, the things that um, are, I think, interesting and attractive to me as a designer um, is basically coming in and creating the future. I mean, that was my job. When I was a designer at Oakley, my job was to come in and uh, create cool, create what, what the future looked like, what the future tasted like, what it felt like, how you interacted with it. And, you know, quite frankly, I mean, that's as cool as it gets for, from my standpoint. Um, some of the things that I've done, my team has done and things like that as professional in the world. So, so that was super quick, but hopefully it gives you an idea, at least from a actual work and drawing standpoint from student to, to a professional and getting paid from nothing to earning a living uh, kind of looks like. So let me go ahead and stop sharing that. Um, any, well, we're not, we're not in the questions uh, section yet, but um, so with, with that, um, the, the journey to being a designer I would tell you first, my career uh, that Chase kindly gave you a, a brief about is not typical, first off. So I think if I tell you my story, um, it might sound a little too good to be true. And I would share that sentiment that it's a little too good to be true because it's not often you start out as a designer uh, and get to do all the cool things I got to do. But I will tell you that the premise for how I got here is exactly what I taught when I was teaching too, that my personal feeling and professional feeling is that the it's, it's the top 10% that get to choose from 90% of all the cool stuff. Right. So I was fortunate enough when I graduated art center to graduate with honors distinction, which was something that hadn't been done in a few years and an ulcer. So I worked pretty hard. I was, arguably number one in my class. 
Um, and so I was lucky in the early nineties, I had half a dozen job offers and Oakley's was the coolest one, <laughs> quite frankly. Um, and that's the path I took. Now, I think for you guys trying to decide or understand this world. And I think, you know, uh, as Andrew was mentioning to me, there's, you know, product management, product design and development. Um, you know, there's, there's all, all kinds of aspects of design. But I would tell you as an industrial designer, now this is self-serving, so you got to remember that. So it's coming from a guy that's done it and does it for a living. That is, it's pretty cool um, in the sense that you literally are creating something from nothing, right? It, it's, you get to create from your imagination. Now, that's not to say you're, you're not doing this on your own by any means. You're working with different you know, working with on a team with other uh, expertise and in, of individuals, which is pretty cool because you're learning and you're utilizing different skills that you're you're getting along the way. And I've been asked in different interviews and in different situations, you know, things like, uh, you know, what's your inspiration or what's your secret or things like that. And um, I can tell you, you guys want to know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thank you. For, thank you for nodding and giving me some acknowledgement. Otherwise I'm talking to my screen, you know, and I feel like I'm going insane. So I have to have some kind of feedback. So I appreciate that. Um, so the, the thing I get is um, what I'll tell you, I'll tell you two different things. I'll tell you what my um, superpower is, my design superpower. How's that? And it's a cool one because, because uh we all have it to some degree. So my superpower, which is, as you know, also a weakness, is my ignorance. And so when I say that, and those of you that are looking at my Instagram, uh, you should take a look because there's all kinds of cool Oakley stuff in there that I've done. And then I'll share, I'll be sharing some things I've been designing probably more recently uh, later on. Um, is that as a, as a student and as a, early professional, I didn't know what was possible, right? So I didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't an eyewear expert when I worked at Oakley, when I started working at Oakley. I did some cool other things, right? They just thought were really neat uh, in school. So I didn't, know what was in, I didn't know what was possible. And therefore, I didn't know exactly what was impossible. And therefore, I pushed the boundaries of what was possible, and so in doing so, and with the right mindset of, of uh, team, team players and a leader at Oakley, we created very uh, unique and iconic products throughout most of my career there. Things that hadn't been seen before, things that weren't thought possible. Um, so that's one way of developing something new and interesting, right? Now, that's not to say, you know, I didn't learn things along the way, right? It's not just don't know anything and continue not to know anything. You learn more along the way, but there's a balance of knowing too much. And I'll, I'll give you the example of what too much is. Um, in my career and both in school, many times, uh, and maybe in this classroom, there are former engineers or engineering students. And it just seems like oftentimes when an engineer would learn to be an industrial designer, their designs were always hampered. They didn't, they weren't very interesting because they were always rooted in what they understood was possible from an engineering standpoint. 
They never pushed the boundaries of what was possible. They only knew what they knew. So they had a really hard time doing that, right? Getting getting out there versus something that could actually be put together and operate and work. Uh, and then from that standpoint, sometimes there was a beauty to it. But you know, as humans, we're fairly we're fairly shallow. Um, well, speaking as a guy, you 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 women will probably be, are a little different, but you know, maybe as a guy, we're pretty shallow. If it doesn't look cool or attractive, we don't want any part of it typically in, in the beginning. Right. And I see some guys smiling. So yeah, we, we agree on that. <laughs> so, so my job and, and the job of, of, you know, designers is to make things attractive as well as make them function and work. Right. And I've said to my students that, look, if you can have the most amazing products on the planet, Right. It just absolutely works impeccably. It, it will change your life, you know, in a very positive way. But if it looks like no one's ever going to crack their wallet open to discover your greatness. Right. And at the same time, I'm sure all of you have bought something you thought was really cool. Oh, my God. Did you guys? I bought that. I love that. It's so cool. And then because it looks amazing, but then it disappoints you. You know, it breaks. It doesn't work quite right. And then you never give that brand another chance, right? Why waste your money? Well, you know, that can happen as well, right? So that, that's an example. Maybe the designer did a good job, but the team of engineers and everybody together didn't do a good job making a really good product. So, you know, again, it, that kind of goes back to it, it is a team environment, uh, the right team environment to do a good job. So, you know, that's one. The secret is um, my ignorance or a balance of my ignorance. And that still stands true today. Um, so the other thing I would share with you um, when I hear, when people have asked me, well, what's your inspiration, man? Like, what, what do you look at? And, what, you know, why, in a sense, why are your designs different than a lot of others and, and, and whatever? And what do you look at it for inspiration? And I think that's a, a, a good, um, it's a great question. And something as a student, you guys should consider too, maybe in other classes when you're actually designing something, if you're not already designing something now, you know, when you look at inspiration, oftentimes what happens, let's say, let's pick a product, um, a car, you know, that's kind of a big product, but, you know, whether it's a car or like some cool backpacks, let's say, or I don't know, pick, pick whatever product. Oftentimes you guys are probably looking at other cars, Right category leading cars or category leading backpacks, right? Whether it's a North Face pack or I don't know, you know, what, whatever, you're probably looking at that stuff, right? But if I was in the classroom with you and, and I was designing something, um, let's say eyewear, which is what I'm primarily known for, or even a backpack. Let's say I'm doing a backpack with you guys. Um, the last thing I'm looking at is a backpack. I, don't, I wouldn't be looking at a backpack. I'd be looking at everything else, um, from an inspiration standpoint, we're talking inspiration. Functionally, it might be a little different, but inspiration, I'd be looking at other things, you know, whether it's, let's say, tents or, you know, other kind of caring systems and or looking in different varied areas for inspiration. And why would I do that? Um, I would do that to get new ideas, right? I would, I would be trying to think of there other ways to come up about a particular problem with a different solution that might actually work better. Um, because I'll know for in the first place that all of you are going to be doing it from the other direction. So I don't really need to do that, right? You guys probably do a better job than me anyway. So I would just do it from a different direction. 
So I would say the same thing is true for inspiration. So as I'm doing, I've done like, you know, I've done a gazillion, you know, uh, sunglasses and things like that. I never looked at another, I didn't, for inspiration or research, I didn't look at other sunglasses. Because inevitably, too, the other thing you'll do when you're looking at all these other, you know, and there's good work, you know, out there, is you're going to inevitably emulate that in your work. You're going to copy it. You may not mean to, but it's now imprinted in your head as you're doing research as to what was cool, what works. Oh, I like what they did. Oh, I like that color. I like that pattern, which is normal. And inevitably, when you're creating and designing, you're going to spit out that color and then spit out that pattern, albeit maybe a little different and maybe not. Maybe it might be very similar inadvertently, right? And so, you know, to me, researching that way and using inspiration that way is the same thing as, as why there are laws both in the natural world and legal world that you're not allowed to marry your cousin. It's just a bad gene pool and it's going to yield a bad result. Okay. Real simple, right? Pretty easy to remember. And um, I'm pretty simple minded. I keep it that way. It, you know, it works for me. So, you know, for you guys to think about, you know, what you want to do in your career, uh, to do your career and everything, you know, you got to think about the things that you're good at, the things you like to do naturally, right? And I would share with you as an industrial designer that I am, I pretty much leverage the things I'm naturally good at. Um, as, as it is, you know, I like stuff. You know, I like physical products and things like that. Um, you know, even as, as a student, you know, I just like stuff, right? We all like stuff. Like the simplest way to think of it is like, you know, often this is stereotypical. So forgive, forgive that, but oftentimes stereotypes are rooted in some amount of truth. You know, guys like cars, right? So like, I would like cars. I'd look at cars and things like that. And in the industrial design education that I went through, um, the first half of your study um, is just general industrial design. And then halfway through, there's a fork in the road. Now the, the fork is more than two splits, but back then there was two roads. One was product design, the other was car design. And I did think about being a car designer, but then I told them, I realized first, I think my friends, many of my uh, student friends were better than me. And then I thought I'd get bored doing just cars, right? So I wanted to do products, which was a little bit more broad not knowing that I do a lot of eyewear and get kind of tired of that too, but that that's a whole nother thing. Um, so, you know, you're, you're studying uh, the general field of design, then you go into one or the other. And um, where was I going to go with that? Um, well, regardless, you go into, you go into uh, industrial design and, you know, I'm following the things that I like. And that's, again, that's why I chose industrial design. It, it looked like it'd be fun. That was it. That is the absolute pure reason why I picked industrial design. I didn't think, I didn't know whether I'd be good at it. I didn't know, um, you know, what kind of, what kind of career I would actually have. I just remember seeing drawings similar to what I showed you guys. Uh, when I walked in the uh, student gallery at Art Center, my I went to a junior. By the way, I went to a junior college out of high school. I went to high school in Las Vegas, Nevada. I came to California where my siblings lived, and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. 
and maybe some of you guys can relate. I didn't know what, what I was going to do. And I had really good grades and uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. And I took, uh, I went to a, a junior college and I, I just took regular GE classes. And then I looked in the syllabus and I saw, you know, 2D design, learn the basic fundamentals of shape and color and blah, 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 blah. And I thought, oh, that sounds like fun. So I took that class and I kept taking classes uh, and I found out I was pretty good at it. I started winning awards and the, the teacher that I took one of the class from was a teacher at Art Center and she arranged a field trip. I went up to the school, walked in the student gallery and my head exploded. I was just like, holy, you're, you're kidding me. This exists. And then from that moment on, I just took every class I could to understand and learn learn the things you need to learn to go into industrial design. So that's kind of like a little, a really condensed version of how I found it in the first place to be in a class like you guys are in, to start understanding what this whole thing is about. And um, again, just following what I liked, right? I liked this drawing stuff looks cool. You know, I, I didn't really draw very much um, before. And uh, I like these things people are inventing and creating because they look cool. And, uh, and then now as an adult, you know, I like to tinker around with stuff. I, you know, I've liked science a little bit, like math a little bit, not that much. My spelling sucks. So I qualify as a designer. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, uh, technology is pretty cool, right? You interact with different technologies, right? We're talking on a screen right now. That screen I was showing you that was red. That's my Cintiq. So I'm drawing on that screen, I, but I learned to draw on paper. And I can still do it either way. So whether it's on the screen or on paper, it really doesn't matter. Um, uh, what else? You know, you're looking at, you know, you're looking at things in society. Um, you look at trends that you're living through. You're looking at, um, you know, what is considered cool in, in popular culture, you know, and you're, you're gleaning things off of that. You're, and then, you know, if you're in a position of designing things, for the next generation of people, you know, you're, you're crafting some of what that looks like. Right. And right now, you know, I've been um, told quite a, quite a bit, you know, a lot of the Oakley stuff I've designed um, is, is coming back in favor, right? Like a lot of the iconic Oakley stuff is coming really popular uh, in, in, in our culture. Um, and, Part of that, I mean, and you'll learn this, that, you know, styles oftentimes are cyclical. They'll come around again, but not all styles, you know, it, but truly my, my belief, if you look at history, not just Oakley stuff, the things that come back in popularity were fundamentally well-designed when they were originally designed, right? So they followed some, some, you know, principles, design principles and, and understood values of proportions and, and beauty and things like that. And they worked in their original time and then appreciated again when, when you come around, you know, taking a lap or two, right? So I, I believe that's the case. Very self-serving since, again, that I did, right, coming back. So I'm saying, I'm basically giving myself a compliment. I did a good job back then. <clears throat> um, so how long have I been talking for? So um, yeah, I think the thing about industrial design is that, you know, I've just... I have tapped into the things that I enjoy. So I will tell you now as, as a, a working adult 
designer that has had a 25-year um, career at Oakley, a couple years at another company, and then I think I've been on my own for about a year now, um, that I, I feel very blessed that this is my this is my job that I get to create stuff, you know, that uh, I have clients that come to me because they know what I've done in the world and they, they want my perspective for their product, for their brand. And that's really what it is. You're, you know, as a designer, uh, you're not a machine, right? You guys are individuals with an individual perspective and it's that perspective and how you see the world um, that someone will want to hire you individually, both a company wanting you on their team or a brand, you know, your favorite brand you want to work for, you know, it would be ideal that you would share the view of that brand, right. in your design and your work. So you find some alignment with that. And that's kind of what I did with Oakley. Um, and it, it worked out really well for a very long time. And so, you know, how you are as an individual plays a lot into how you create and how you design. And, um, and there's, there's need for all types, you know, uh, I happen to be one type. I'm not necessarily a me too designer. And I'm not saying that in a negative way. There, there are me too brands that create great stuff that is similar to others, but very profitable, very good work. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, and there are designers that work along that, along, along those lines. That's not me. You know, I don't have, I don't really work that way. And, um, um, but I also want you to think this way too, as a student and later as a professional, and that should be, you know, how do you want to be remembered? How do you want your legacy as a professional? Right. Because if you think about what you want it to be, if you, you have this particular image, right? And, and some of you might want to be, you know, these, these you know, massive influencer, you know, or you want to be, uh, you know, uber wealthy or whatever, or you want to just live a normal life. Whatever it is, is fine. But whatever that vision is, that should dictate your actions, right? So if you want to be like this special designer, if, if you choose this path and be spoken about and uh, maybe someone asks you to speak in their classroom, you know, or teach something, then you probably need to bring a little something different to the table, right? You want to leave a legacy of respect and good design and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Or if, if you want to be, let's just say, you know, uh, mega wealthy and have your name, you know, uh, synonymous with something, then you might have to dictate a, uh, dedicate a lot of your life to creating an empire of design, Right. Maybe you're the next, you know, frog design or you're another whatever, or you want to create, you want to learn industrial design to make your own product and you become, you know, a product company, whether you become the next Apple or whatever else. So whatever you want to envision for yourself is how you should dictate your actions as a student, right? Whether you need to just be a sponge and learn, which I think all of you should, and then decide later how you want to be. Um, but that's a big part of it too. And I would tell you that that's what I did. I didn't know what my future was going to be like. I just knew it, I wanted it to be in design. I knew I wanted to be, um, well, I'm an overachiever. So I wanted to be the best. And I believe that if you shoot for the best and you miss 
eh, you know, second place ain't that bad, but it's still not the best, <laughs> right? And and to give you the the, the overachiever mentality, um, do you guys from an overachiever standpoint, um, it's kind of like Ricky Bobby, but second 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 place. You know what second place is? Second place is the first loser. All right. So, but that's from a guy who's an overachiever. So, uh, I, I do think it's still a good way to approach education is just learn as much as you can, you know, uh, and at least in the environment I was studying, you know, it is a little competitive, uh, at our center. And then, but that's a good, I think it's a good, um, analogy of, of, of life and work that it is competitive in this world, but it doesn't have to be nasty competitive. It can be actually a very positive competitive standpoint. So in other words, for example, if this, you know, in this class you're drawing or you had to come up with ideas, you're trying to beat your other classmates, right? You want to have the best idea. You want to have the best designs and in design, you know, a lot of times in design school and studio classes, you're putting your drawings up. You want to put your drawing up and you want to be so good. You don't want other students to put next to you because they want theirs will look bad. That was always my goal. Okay. And you want to be the stuff that the instructor comes up to and says, yeah, you want to do this. You want to do this. You want to do this. Right. So it's like a game, but you don't, again, you don't have to do it in a nasty way to be hated. You want to do it in a, a way, uh, you know, a very open way. You know, I would always share what I'm doing and why. And what happens oftentimes is you start making friends with um, other students and other colleagues of the same level. Right. So let's say, for example, in your classes and, and uh, along your path, there's some really, really good students. Well, you should get to know them. You should understand how they think and, and you share because you're going to learn, for example, in this class, you're going to learn a lot from Andrew, but you're going to learn a lot from each other, both what to do and what not to do. Right. And I'll tell you, that happens in the business world. You know, I went through all the different ranks and, you know, executive and all that. I learned both. I learned a little bit of what to do, but I learned a shit ton of what not to do from my bosses. <laughs> okay. So, you know, uh, all that to say that there's a lot to learn in this path of being an industrial designer, uh, if it is for you. And even as an, and there are different uh, roles to play on this team and in this journey that you don't have to necessarily be, you know, in, in other terms, like you don't have to be the race car driver to be part of the racing team. You know, you might be really good at, you know, suspension work and tuning and just feel proud and stoked when your team wins because you were a part of that versus being the guy in the cockpit, you know, steering the wheel. So there are many different roles. And um, I probably would say that being a designer is the race car driver because it's all on you, whether it's really a good design or a bad design, where you're going to take it across the line or not. But if you don't have the right team, you won't even make it across the finish line, Right. So I am kind of probably over glorifying it because it's self-serving, but I honestly feel that way, that it's pretty fun. Um, and when I say on my career, and I didn't really get into all of that, but you know, um, I've said this before that I could not have written the script of my uh, professional career as a movie because it just sounded, it was just too, it's just too crazy to be honest with you. To to have done the logo that is known around the world, to do products and designs that a lot of people know. Um, uh, well, the only part of this movie that didn't turn out exactly like a cool movie is I'm not a millionaire. So if I was a millionaire, that'd be super cool. And I would be having this chat with you from my yacht. <laughs> 
but I'm not. <laughs> I'm a regular working person, right? That had the opportunity to do some pretty extraordinary uh, work. And hopefully I'll still continue to get to do that. So I've been talking for a while. Um, maybe that's enough. Unless you guys, uh, Andrew or Chase, you guys want me to say anything else in particular, but I've just been rambling on and on. So hopefully that was, that was helpful. Oh, that was good. Uh, so we'll open it up to some questions. Will Bruce Yee be coming back this Halloween? <laughs> oh my God. Um, so, <laughs> so that is a reference to um, one of the fun things we did at Oakley. So at Oakley, there was a Halloween contest every year. And you guys are talking to a two-time uh, costume award-winning uh, uh, employee. And Bruce, Bruce Yee is actually, uh, was not part of the contest. Bruce Yee was actually the last costume I did at Oakley. <laughs> and uh, because my, I was going for a three-peat. I had one year one, uh, year two for me, and then I was going for my last costume. Win or lose, I was retiring because I represented the design department and I told my team, you guys have to do the costume thing. I'm tired of it. I got a family. I, my wife is pissed. I spent so much time on it. And my kids were growing up, so I didn't need to make costumes for them anymore. So I, I said, okay, win or lose or draw. I lost. I'm still pissed about it. I lost that con that that third year in a row. Um, and I'll, maybe I'll show you guys one day because it's. I still think it's a winning winning one. And then I was asked to do uh, to be the MC for the contest. So I made a costume, and you guys know my last name is Yi. So um, I became uh, a a uh, Bruce Lee uh, knockoff with a yellow jumpsuit and uh, and the whole thing with the hair and everything doing flips. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, unfortunately, uh, I have retired my costume making uh, for for things like that because I was going all out, man. I would like it would be so fun. And uh, actually, my wife just gave away the costume I made. Um, I was Lego Batman one year and that I won that one, but I also made my youngest. Um, if you ever watched the Lego Batman movie, there's a character called wild style. And so she's the heroine. So I made a little wild style of her and she was tiny. So there's big old Batman, my size and little tiny wild style. And so she gave away the wild style costume recently. So that was pretty, I'm not giving away Batman. He's still, he is in the uh, back cave, <laughs> my closet and he will come back at some point in time, as well as Bruce, will come back for different things. But this, this Halloween, I'm actually, um, uh, I think we're doing something else. So <laughs> not really industrial design question, except for the fact that designing and making the costume is really fun. And that is industrial design, by the way. <laughs> All right, next one. How do you prevent burnout for your designs? Cause you did it for like 25 years. Great question. Burnout is a real thing. Uh, it sucks when it happens. It's hard to get out of. So the good news of how not to get burned out is, you know, do some diverse things. Take a break. So in, if you guys look at my Instagram, and again, please do feel free. Um, it's, it's littered with eyewear, but you'll notice that there are watches in there too. And I've always loved doing watches because... You know, it was a very different approach, um, you know, very, very guy product thing. And I always 
enjoyed doing that. And then, you know, some of the things I showed you, like, you know, that glove or whatever else, doing different products is a great way of not burning out. Um, aside from if you're working too much, right? If you just have too much work, too much work, then there I would just say you have to take a break. You know, like you may not be able, you may or may not be able to take a whole day off, but go do something, you know? And I would tell you today, for example, I, I'm not in risk of burning out because I don't do a 40 hour week. Um, you know, I, I do less than that intentionally because, you know, where I am in my career and stuff. And, you know, I'll go walk my dog, Riley. <laughs> you know, we'll go for a walk on my electric skateboard. I make him run uh, at times. Um, I'll, uh, I would, at the time I would do different things. I would tell you one thing I did at Oakley because my, my team, when I was, you know, the, the VP, I knew they were starting to burn out. So I came up with a whole different plan. Um, you would think I would like give them less work, but no, I didn't. I actually gave them more work. I, uh, I made a, an extracurricular project that it was volunteer for them if they wanted to do or not. And uh, it was on, on top of their regular work. They, they could do it uh, after hours. And it was creating... It was creating eyewear, but I created this room within the design department that was secure. And I had them come in and I, I put up pinup board all over the walls and it was secure. Only designers could go in there. And the projects were things of only in the future stuff, like five, 10, 15 years. I didn't want anything on the walls that could be made today. I wanted future tech. I wanted just crazy ideas. And we can, we were, no one was allowed to say the word no in there. And it became this really fun thing that my guys would work on. And I didn't ask my boss because, uh, you know, forgiveness is easier to receive than permission. <laughs> and eventually it led to some amazing things, um, some financial, some brand building, some huge financial returns and be, has now today become a part of the process. So it became 10%. So reduced the overall work 90 and whatever else. So in the long run, it, it became part of the system, but it was a, it was a creative endeavor to go away from the mundane day to day that they had. So that's a formalized thing that I did for them, but I'm telling you, don't, don't wait for someone like me or, or Andrew to do that for you. Do it yourself, right? Get your done. So that you have something to look forward to. That that's the other thing I would do, you know. But I would I would definitely you know do that always to to give yourself something to look forward to, whether it's actual work, or you're gonna go hang out with some friends or see your family or whatever. Give yourself something to look forward to to motivate you to drive you to pay yourself for working hard, and maybe that'll help combat some of the you know fatigue uh, of burnout. All right. There's, I think we've got about one more, maybe two. Keep pass that down. Did you help uh, design the Oakley over-the-top sunglasses? And if so, what was the inspiration behind that? Um, well, if you liked them, yes, I did. If you didn't like them, it was some other. No, I think, <laughs> no, I, I think they're sick. Okay, then it happened to be me. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I did. I, so there's full story on that and I'll give it, make it super brief is that the founder, uh, Jim Gennard was working on it and I was pretty busy already. And we have a, we had a new designer. So he was working on it with a new designer and they were doing cool stuff. And I think the concept of it, 
you know, I can't tell you 100% what the concept is because that resides in the mind of a visionary and a mad scientist of, and the founder of Oakley. But, you know, I think in the end, what it really is, really, really was, um, was a huge flex of the potential and the, the power of design at what we could do at Oakley versus the rest of the world. And, and an example of, just like I showed you, thinking differently. You don't get that idea. You don't think you don't get ideas like that looking at other people's eyewear, right? That's just, you know, maybe that's coming from something else that you wear over your head. Um, and then so they were working on it, and I was working on all this other commercial uh, eyewear and stuff like that. And then Jim, the founder, came to me. He was really frustrated because the project wasn't working well. So he asked me to take it over, um, which is awkward, you know. I, did, I apologized to the other guy and I took over the project and it, and uh, I changed it. And that's what you see today. So it, it, it was, it was really cool. It was pretty wild, you know? And I think at the time we thought we'd be lucky if we could sell enough to cover the cost of tooling and the expense we put into it. But surprisingly it did more than profited the company. And as an, a marketing example, <clears throat> example of marketing, which, by the way, products, the things you design as products are the best marketing tool you can ever have for any brand if you do a good job. Because that product is screaming marketing its entire life, right? Because it speaks to the customer when you don't have a marketing campaign in front of them. You know, it's when, when you have it. So that design has been seen all over the world on athletes, Olympians, whatever, and Everyone recognizes like, wow, that is just crazy. I would never wear that. But man, that brand's pretty brave. And you know what? I like that other thing they make. Let me check that out. Right? So in and of itself, it, it did a good job. But yeah, that's that's kind of the quick story on it. So yeah, I worked on that. And you'll see it. You can see it. I think I, yeah, I, I think I did a video on that already on the Instagram. Nice. We got time for one more short one up front. Hold on. Besides sketching, how else is your time spent as a designer? And do you often have take-home work? Well, I work from home, so I guess that's all of my work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, at Oakley. Okay. So, um, <clears throat> okay. So if I'm not drawing, I'm interacting with other team members, engineers, learning, discussing how we can achieve something. Because really what happens is you'll do like a cool drawing and a cool sketch, and then um, as you evolve that into something real, inevitably, there are requirements that can't exactly make it the way you drew it, right? So then you have to figure out what can you do, a different approach. And sometimes you can get it back to how it was drawn, or you can approach it a slightly different way. So there's a lot of discussing and talking. Um, there's things like researching. Maybe I'm looking, I mean, I'm just like surfing on the internet, you know, looking at cool, you know, or my day, my work now uh, you know, sometimes I'm putting a deck together to explain things to a client. Uh, some of it might be drawings. Some of it might be uh, images and imagery of what I'm thinking. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, tangible tasks that happen when you're not necessarily drawing. Um, but I will say drawing is probably like that's kind of the, one of the funner things to do, right? I know myself, I know quite a lot of designers, you know, will draw to music I'll have, sometimes I'll have a movie on, you know, um, 
but it can't be a movie. It can't be a new, it has to be a movie I've seen already. Otherwise I'll just watch and won't be drawing. Right. So there's ways to make, I make the environment pleasurable. And that's the thing too. Like you guys have probably heard a different, um, different aspects of being in the zone, right. You're kind of in that, that is a theta mindset, you know, where everything just flows. Well, that's also what you're trying to do when you're creating. It's, it's amazing right? For athletes and whatever else. So it's a very creative state. When things are flowing, things feel natural and easy. So there's kind of that going on too. And I'll tell you, as a being, being someone who's creating something, you guys, in the end, you know, you have something to look back on, something tangible, which is pretty, pretty cool, right? And um, if, if that's the last question, I wanted to say one thing to you guys as, as a student body and as potentially future designers creating the world. Um, if you're going to go down this path of creativity, you will likely be known for as a maker of things, right? But you'll be known likely uh, a maker of one of two things. Okay. Only a maker of one of two things. So you'll be known either as the person who they go to that makes it happen or you're that other person that makes excuses. So you really want to choose which path you want to take. All right. And the people that have worked with me know that I don't like excuses. And um, I think that has helped both guide me in a positive and also kind of a negative way when I'm working too hard, getting crazy. But, you know, I just, I, I really am passionate about this career and doing this stuff. So if you guys choose to go down this path, I think it's a really cool one. There's a lot of really neat things along the way. And I tell you, I sort of got every day I'm doing this stuff. I feel blessed that I get to do this for a living. I'm not digging ditches. I'm not making bombs. I'm not hurting other people. I'm actually trying to help other people and brands and things like that. And, uh, and that's pretty cool. Thanks for listening to the Highlander podcast. For more conversations with outdoor leaders, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, watch episodes on the Outdoor Product Design and Development YouTube channel, or on opdd.usu.edu slash podcast. Follow along on Instagram at USU Outdoor Product and let us know how you're enjoying the show.